Hi, I'm Emily Dixon. I'm the Spence host of The Commentarians, and I'm here with... Doug Overmeyer with Sears C Ministries. And we're here to talk over your movie. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survived, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. So, Doug, I am so excited about this month's episode. I'm doing a Halloween special, a horror movie, and I get to bring in an expert on spiritual <laughs> warfare, spiritual oh, giftings, and we got a good movie to go with it. So, tell us a little bit about you and um, what, you know, how did you get started in all of this? How did I get started in all of this? Well, uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so that's one way to get started in, in with spiritual <laughs> gifts. But uh, I left that Pentecostal church eventually and and just kind of went to mainstream evangelicalism. Um, when my wife and I had our first daughter, when she was two or three or so, we began to notice that she could see spirits, that she was seeing things that we couldn't see. She was reacting to things that we couldn't see, to, to the point of looking like pointing to the patio door and asking, who's that, Daddy? Oh, wow. And we'd look, and there's nobody there. And we're like, she's like, who's that? Who's that man? He's scary. And, you know, what do you do with that? Or pointing to the corner and screaming about the dragon in the corner. Or or just, just a ton of situations just like that. Pointing to people in the room that you can't see, freaking out at night in her bedroom, not being able to sleep, screaming that there's things mm. in your room. And, and one of the very first things that uh, we, we sort of figured out that worked was teaching her to say, go away in the name of Jesus. Awesome. And I understood a little bit about spiritual things. I understood about spiritual gifts, did not have a framework to understand what we were experiencing. And, uh, and so, you know, you go to the, the source of all things, all knowledge, uh, Google, and right. I found a... I found a bunch of pagan nonsense out there. And um, it, anyway, so I started doing a deep dive into some research in, in scriptures and um, scholarly work. Um, a lot of research eventually came with a framework to understand what our daughter was experiencing. And turns out tons of people, I shouldn't say tons, but a lot of people can see spirits. And in America, at least, uh, mm -hmm. they don't talk about it because uh, you would... You know, oh, you're you called you're crazy. So you right. keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, there's so many reasons, and you know, so I I do have some background in this area, and uh, th this is kind of going to be a weird episode for me to do because I don't talk about it a lot. I you know because I, that crazy label. So this is kind of an intimidating episode from that perspective for me. But um, you know, I, I came across your work because you were doing a uh, podcast with Dr. Dr. Michael Heiser, um, Paranormal. Mm -hmm. And when I heard about your website and what you did, I immediately went and began skimming through all of your information. And 
I saw how balanced it was and how biblically rooted and, you know, just how much you took the Bible seriously. And I really feel like everything you're offering is, it's a sound source for so many people who go through this. And that's one of the reasons why I am excited about having you on the show today and to, to talk about this movie, because uh, I haven't, we haven't mentioned the movie. I'm so excited about having you here. Forget the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the movie is The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. And, you know, we're dealing with ghosts and spirits and the whole spiritual dimension. And I think this is going to be a really good conversation. And we're just going to have to be careful because you and I have already figured out in like the brief time we spoke before we began recording, we can talk for hours about this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to have to be careful not to go too far afield, but I anticipate having a great conversation. And so I'm going to force myself not to continue to ask you more questions and actually watch the movie and talk to you during the movie like we're supposed sure. to. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who's joining us for the first time on The Commentarians, uh, here's what we do. We watch the movie together. And so if you want to watch the movie along with us, just queue up the movie on your uh, DVD player or online source, wherever you stream. And I'll do a countdown, three, two, one, play. When I do that, just hit play and you can follow along with us or feel free just to listen to the podcast. So, Doug, are you ready to, to watch the movie? Yep. Okay, so um, here we go. Three, two, one, play. And so I've got the earth uh, glowing with light here as Universal Studios logo comes across my screen. And we are getting ready to be frightened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this was a Peter Jackson movie, and I did not realize this was a Peter Jackson movie. I don't actually, I don't know if I actually watched this movie. I saw this movie back in, I guess it came out in, what, 94 or so? And so it was way before I had a a supernatural framework. Okay. I mean, I, I, I guess I was in college when it came out. I just... I didn't see it in the theaters. I probably saw it on, you know, cable later. Right. And uh, it just like, it has a really creepy, this, you know, this opening is kind of cool, this neat house, you know, and back then I liked horror movies. I don't particularly care for them now, but this is a weird movie in that it's horror and comedy. Right. And it's. This is kind of Burton-esque, kind of Tim Burton feel to it, this opening scene. It very much reminds me of Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, you don't know what, yeah. So you're like, okay, this is a seriously scary scene, <laughs> you know? It really, because I, I actually, I, I got to looking at the release dates, and when I never went to the movies themselves, I actually, like, rented everything on VHS or DVD, probably more VHS, and I was actually starting my um, family about the same time this came out. So the fact that this is, um, this is a, uh, trying to think what the word is that time frame i probably wouldn't have even been aware that it was out there so mm-hmm. well it didn't do well because they released it's supposed to be a halloween movie so see we're doing it we're doing it a favor it's, it's exactly. supposed to be a halloween movie <laughs> but they released it against independence day you know that year which is really a stupid thing to do <laughs> yeah between the two there's no contest i mean we just have right. to be real about that and so and but i mean all these effects you know we this really holds up well I, i'm just I don't know much about how to make movies. I like, I just watch them for the stories, but 
I'm so impressed with all the effects in this movie. <laughs> it's crazy how well it holds up. It, it really did. Because watching it for the first time just yesterday, because I'm that far behind in my life, uh, <laughs> I was surprised. It, it does not feel like a, an early 90s movie in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. I, I was shocked at, at how, like you said, how well these hold up. Now, I did feel like, um, not to dive too deeply too quick, mm-hmm. I, I felt like some of the effects, this is what somebody who has seen these things or been through these things, when they've described it to another person, this is what the other person envisions. Uh, I, I really felt like this was somebody had, had said, I've had this experience, this mm-hmm. is what it looks like, and then a, a third party tried to interpret it. And so I actually did some digging online and Peter Jackson, uh, who both was writer, director and producer, um, Mm -hmm. he does all these wonderful laurels on this. He actually describes an event very similar to the the spirit in the wall coming out. Oh, yes. So he, he acknowledges having had that event in real life. That's interesting. Yeah, this is pre Lord of the Rings. If, if you're familiar with Peter Jackson. So this is it, the joke. One of the jokes is um, the reason he got Lord of the Rings is because after making this movie, his, his company had so many computers, <laughs> you know, for special <laughs> effects. And they're well, yeah, the more computers than anyone else, I guess we'll give you the Lord of the Rings. But uh, that's interesting. I, I've asked people um, who I don't see anything in the spirit realm, but I, I've worked with hundreds of people who have, and some of them are in my life. And and I've asked, so is this what, you know, is this, what is your impression of this? And there's a scene coming up where a ghost is running on the street and that's maybe not quite so clear, maybe not mm-hmm. how it looks, but that's generally, you know, yeah, they'll be out just having your day and you see a, these people see a spirit walking by. And the, and the movie calls these people, you know, uh, the Michael J. Fox character, a, 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 a psychic. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, he doesn't call him, he, I guess he calls himself that on his business card. But I call them seers um, because they see spiritual things. That's that's why I call them that. Okay, so did you actually did you choose that, or did you like uh, look at the biblical source for for that that term? Um, I I well I a little bit of both. I was praying about what we should call the website, and it was just kind of obvious. Well, seers can see, can't they? Make it that. <laughs> and yeah, and obviously seers is specifically mentioned in the Bible um, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament several. Like seven, I think seven or eight mm-hmm. people are called seers, and including uh, including two of David uh, King David's worship leaders, right? And and one of the one of the worship leaders who wrote the most depressing of the Psalms. I can't remember which one it is now, but it's so depressing. And you realize later that you realize he's one of the, he's one of David's seers. But I think it's amazing that David employed worship leaders in in his in his uh, who were seers who could see. Why? Because you can react to how the lord is moving you can react to if if they could see enemy they could just see things in the spirit realm and that's how you know how to you know that could help direct your worship i guess yeah it, it, well and and that that's what i find to be so interesting is whenever we do have seers speak in the bible it, it is in poetry it is in that inspired kind of language and so i for me it's always fascinating because Long before I went into you know theology and biblical languages and all that stuff, uh, I, I considered myself to be an artist, and I still do. But that that's artistic gifting is my primary. Um, that was my first love, you might say, and and then God kind of drew me into some new directions. But I find that the 
creative arts, whether it is songs or poetry or you know the written word, it, it's often created by people with a certain spiritual sensitivity. And I, I, I think we kind of see that in this really weird way with Hollywood and, mm-hmm. and the movies that like this and, and even Lord of the Rings. I mean, some great representations of spiritual warfare in there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we see people with the gifting, even if it may not be used correctly, still being utilized to present the spiritual ideal to the world. And so, yeah, I think uh, didn't someone write a thesis about how prophets and artists sort of correlate? <laughs> I think somebody, I think I heard about that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I, somebody way <laughs> back when. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that that's one of my favorite soapboxes. I, I did uh, do that. <laughs> I love how he rolls. He runs over that that yard ornament. Uh, he's such a jerk, right? He's such a jerk at the beginning of this movie. So at least this character hopefully will have an arc. <laughs> you know? I, 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 while I watched this opening scene, I was like, I don't think I would ever want to ride anywhere with him. And I did not realize until you pointed that out, that was totally intentional. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And I think when he was so erratic, it's telling us something about his life. And, and then, boy, how would like to be this house doctor? You know, it's <laughs> just like, where am I going? And then I think this lady here looks, I don't know when the Bram Stoker's Dracula movie came out, but I feel like... Mm. She looks just like, you know, Dracula. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of little nods to other horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I at one point, uh, I, I believe like serial murderers are are mentioned by name. Yes. And so, definitely, Peter Jackson had something going on here. I I, I honestly, um, uh, I picked up on something. Because I know you saw something in the film, and we we probably aren't there yet, Mm-mm. that we're, we're going to have fun talking about. But I was noticing that there's so many little tip-offs that point to a fact that either the writers knew more about the spiritual realm than they're letting you know, or there's something guiding them in their writing. Because... Yep, I think... Yep. <laughs> I, I, think I think it's just probably the latter, but... Yeah, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, I mean that 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 was pretty much it. And I I did find it interesting that the mother when you when she speaks here, she sounds almost biblical. Yeah. And I I think it's funny how a lot of times the scary person in these horror films does have that kind of biblical King James kind of cadence and delivery to their proclamations, and that a fame you know it's pretty common movie trope right there. Yep, and they also usually like classical music, but I don't think that's the case in this movie. <laughs> I like classical music, and it drives my family crazy. And I'm like, well, you know, in the movies, a bad guy always listens to classical music, so you better be nice to me. <laughs> um, I, she does mention Sins of the Flesh earlier in the movie, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. Okay, cool, because, yeah. <laughs> I, I know the audience is going, wait a minute, they got an inside joke. And we do have, not necessarily a joke, but we've got something that we have discussed before that I can't wait to, to, to bring out. So, yeah. and this nice vintage uh, photography here that we are being introduced to John Charles Bartlett. And well, this guy, he looks, does he, I don't, you know, I, he looks scary, doesn't he? <laughs> he? He does. And, you know, the thing I noticed was that actually. He's got car, the demonic look on his face. That's the line there. He, so it's, he really, yeah. 
And I've known people who do have this kind of gifting and who they they notice that they they can see mm-hmm. that even on people uh, on TV and in film. And okay, we're gonna a pause for a second because all of a sudden, oh, okay, the movie's back. It buffered for just a moment. Sorry. Okay. So we're good. Uh, but the uh, yeah, I I know people who see that. Now, does your does your daughter see this with people on TV? Like, uh, well, uh, not so much on TV, but in uh, person. Uh, she once came home from talking to a guidance counselor at school and said, "Hey, yeah, she she has a spirit on her." And I'm like, <laughs> can't say that. I shouldn't say her name, you know. But and then once we were ministering to a couple of uh, pagan, my wife and I had a couple of witches in our house, and we were actually ministering. They were talking about giving up their witchcraft and going to the Lord. And uh, she just, our daughter just walked through the living room, just kind of glanced over, paused for a second, and then kept walking. And so later I went to her, what happened? What did she say? Oh, man, she has completely spirit all over her. I'm like, well, I knew that. We were like ministering, you know, trying to mm-hmm. minister to her. But it, it, she's, she didn't know who these people were. She just walks through, looks, and she can tell. She used to make comments, just casual comments. This is back when she was in grade school. But make casual comments about, oh, so-and-so at school. Yeah, she's not a Christian. Or so and so at school, he's a Christian, and like, well, how, like, honey, you can't just say that. You can't judge people just by how they look. And she would look at us like we were crazy. Like, well, can't you tell? You can just tell by looking. And it it occurred to me that she was actually seeing the Holy Spirit in them. I think, or maybe they were. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this from pagans too, where they could look at some pagans, some like psychics. Mm-hmm. And so when I use the word psychic, I mean like a seer who's devoted not to the Lord, right? Um. So, but like psychics can sometimes look at people and say, oh, yeah, they, they have this red tint all over them. Well, they're they're covered in the blood, and we can't get them, and I really hate that. I've actually had psychics tell me that. that and I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, really? I mean, but this, but yes, really, they can tell. People who are covered in the blood and people who aren't. And I think, I think it's funny that we discount that, that we think that this isn't possible, uh, because... I mean, I don't want to get too much into my own experience because the this show this show isn't about me. But mm-hmm. there's Elvis, by the way. <laughs> he plays Elvis in another movie. I heard that in, in a, an interview. Oh. He, and in Forrest Gump, he plays Elvis in Forrest Gump. So that's one of those homages you were mentioning. Okay, yeah. The, so okay, I, I see. I didn't pick up on that, but this is why we have you here because. <laughs> <laughs> and this is funny. I this, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be scary, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> Like it's no, it's perfect be- now that I know that. <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, no, Go ahead. And this is, this is the beauty of, of Peter Jackson's uh, storytelling. And actually, one of the things I thought was interesting was um, the Annabelle doll. And yeah. uh, the little raggedy Ann doll is actually closer to the actual Annabelle doll versus the, the image that's shown on the Annabelle movies. So... Oh. Uh, and this was the kind of behavior that the Annabelle doll was supposed to exhibit in real life. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. And so she's actually, I forget the couple's name, but there, there's a couple that uh, deal with spiritual matters. And um, they actually have that doll in a glass case in their house with a, in their, it's a part of their house devoted to occult objects. And so. Um, I see. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I, I'm the queen of random information. So. <laughs> so that that little raggedy and doll wasn't meant to look uh non-assuming it was it had a purpose mm-hmm. and and we're back to crashing fences again i love that so 
Yes. Yeah. And now, one of the things I did pick up on, and it is the fact that he is an architect who's building his dream house. Mm-hmm. And now he is at this home where we're getting ready to learn that these spiritual manifestations were supposed to be done at his bidding. Mm-hmm. So I, I, one of the things that came to my mind was the uh, Testament of Solomon. And set nice some nice second temple lit there where Solomon is building the temple, but he built it by imprisoning demons in yes. order to to do his bidding oh that's interesting yeah and so i it makes me wonder of course then we get into and, and i did masonic not lore <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and, and you know and that's a whole can of worms which i don't feel competent enough to actually open but i will acknowledge well, it's on the shelf <laughs> Yeah, if I go there, there's no allusions to that in this movie, I don't think. But if I go there, it'll, who knows where this podcast episode will go. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I see him, well, we'll, we'll get to who I, how I see uh, Bannister here in a little bit, whenever he gets a little bit later. Uh, I love this. So he pulls the, the, he pulls the holy water gun out. Yes. And, uh, okay, so now I have to ask, because you have researched this, so is holy water something that's effectual in dealing with um, you know, unclean or evil spirits? Yeah, it is. Um, early Christians, so I mean early, like first century, second century, they actually didn't just use water, they used oil. So they used, they used to use salt, actually. Um, yes. Salt and also oil. They would pray over it, they'd bless it, and then like sprinkle the salt in the corners of the house and Salt in the um, Old Testament particularly represents the covenant. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other things, I don't remember. I wrote about it in my book, Peace in Your House. And uh, holy water, yeah, I mean, it's... Okay, is it... Does it really impact the spirit? No, I love this right here in the in the film. He sees something. This is a prophetic word he's getting. It's how I would interpret it. Right. He's seeing something in the spirit. It hasn't happened yet. Indicating something will happen. So he's getting a prophetic word and... I can describe other situations where I know people who have seen something just like that. Um, but anyway, he, I don't know if it's, if, if using holy water, if it's faith building or if it really does impact things in the spirit realm. I think it really does impact things in the spirit realm. But for people who don't quite believe that or have a hard time understanding that, they can just use it as a faith building way. So when they go around the house and they're sealing entrances to the house and they sprinkle a little water or salt or oil, um, that that can build up their faith, but but so all those of, things are kind of an act of obedience that in utilizing the the symbols without placing too much power in the symbols themselves, but more just in the act of obedience to God. Right, right. Gotcha. And you know, and there's something to ritual. There's something to lit- liturgy. I don't go to a church, uh, sort of a high church. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. But there is something to that that it, it helps build faith in people. But I also do think the uh, something that is blessed, purposely blessed, not by a priest, but by any follower of, of Jesus, does impart something in the spirit realm. And, I, and there's biblical examples of that. Because that know, was going to be my next question, because, you know, I, I was raised Southern Baptist. I went to a Pentecost, uh, no, sorry, a Methodist and Nazarene and Presbyterian tr- colleges. I've been in almost every denomination 
at some point or another. For those of us who aren't Catholic, where holy water water is not something that we're going to you know come in contact with. Mm-hmm. So you're saying salt and oil and or even water that we as believers have prayed over. Oh sure, yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me. You're just imparting a blessing on. I, I mean the the power of of the new creation, which is what we are. It's the spoken word, the word spoken according to the the Father's will, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. So that's that's all that's all creation is. The mm. the Father sp- released the the spoken word, you know, through the Holy Spirit. And in new creation, we can we can command. You know, when we pray, what do we when we pray out loud? We're impacting the environment. When we worship, we're impacting the environment, the physical environment. Exactly. Well, all, all, all imparting a blessing on something like salt, which is uh, represents, like I said, the covenant. Or a purity. Well, it was part um, of the Levitical. It's a preservative. Yeah, you know the Levitical it, sacrifices. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's representative of changing the meat to make meat better, which is what the gospel does. But also, I you know it's a, it, it's it resonates somehow. I think it maybe you impart something on it, and it can resonate into the spirit realm. What I've heard people say is, well, water evaporates quicker, so use something that lasts longer, like salt <laughs> or oil. I mean, you know, so. I, that that's that's kind of funny. Well, I mean, I I, I think you. I, I've had some experience where I've actually anointed um, not just a house, but like gatepost of a of a mm-hmm. of a property, and uh, and when I did it, I remember God just brought to mind the the scripture, and I believe it's in First Kings that it possessed the gates of the land you're in, and, mm-hmm. and it was not that I felt like there was any kind of you know magical. Um, impact and what I was doing. But I, for me, it really was a point of obedience. And I felt yeah. like if God had brought that scripture to mind, then I needed to act on it as a believer and expect him to keep his side of the promise and, and to be okay with what I really felt uncomfortable. And that, that's been one of the things I found interesting are the number of people who feel uncomfortable you know, acting these things out, even though there's nothing scripturally wrong, like to, to lay your hands on somebody and pray for them or, mm-hmm. you know, to bless a house and, and, you know, nothing against scripture, but we still feel kind of, if you came from like I did a Southern Baptist background where you don't do these things, um, there's, yeah, there's it's tradition. Level, <laughs> yeah. There's a level of, oh, oh, I shouldn't do this. That's what Catholics do. Right. Like, oh, stop it. You know, if people don't understand the new covenant. They don't understand the power that they have. And that, and so in the old covenant, the, the leper touched you and you became dirty. Right. But in the new covenant, you touch the leper and the leper becomes clean. Oh, and that's so, good. So we are holy ground. Like in the, old, in the old covenant, the temple was holy ground. It's where God lived. Mm-hmm. Well, we are Christians and individually and collectively are holy ground now. I think we are dirt, right? I mean, I, I love this. <laughs> Keep... We are dirt. So where we go is holy ground, and we should live like that. And so if the spirit is haunting your house or attacking you, um, one, identify if there's something in your life attracting it, like sin, mm-hmm. or and, and and then to tell it to leave. This is holy ground. This is my house. This is where I live. This space I live in. And it could be your boat. It could be your car. It could be whatever. This this belongs to the King in the name of Jesus. I I. I Consecrate this. This is this is God's territory. That's and, awesome. And the, and because God has given us authority through the through faith in Jesus, then um, then they they obey. And, and I don't think I'm with you. A lot of Christians don't understand the level of authority that they have to to speak into those situations. 
And I, I know when I began trying to understand this side of things, to, to step out on that authority felt prideful. It felt mm-hmm. arrogant. And so I really had to accept the fact that I wasn't saying I was powerful, that it was God working through me and it was through my obedience and through my faith that he was going to manifest his power. And that it, that's the only thing I had to bring was my willingness to participate with him. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and to that, that helped kind of take that, that sense of, of, like I said, that arrogance that I was feeling accused of in my mind, which I'm sure in and of itself is a spiritual attack. And so... Well, again, it's, it's an identity thing. If you think about it this way, if, if the American ambassador to, um, I don't know, France, when he goes in with a message from the government to France, did he go in with arrogance or does he just go, I'm here representing the government of the United yeah. States? And so we are ambassadors to the earth. And so if, God, if, if the king has given us authority to be his representatives, then we don't be arrogant about it. It's just, it's just who we are. That, and I think that's really hard. And I, I, you know, and I think some of that, even for uh, women it, in particular, in some ways, might be actually even a little bit more to overcome than guys have. And I'm not trying to be sexist. But, you know. Well, because they've been, t- yeah, it, it, it's yeah. Bec- I understand what you're saying. And, okay, now I have to point this out. I, I, there's this line here, the kids always get it. Yep, they sure do. <laughs> and, and by the way, this funny little scene, in no way forecasts where this movie is going to go. This movie goes really dark <laughs> it, <laughs> a little bit later. And you're like, man, this is a funny little movie. No, no, it's, but yeah, children. It's a combination of humor and horror. It, it, it is. It's not what you expect anytime, at, at any point in time. Well, so like you were saying, children, one, children haven't, I have a, an article on my website called uh, something about don't color in the lines or something. Mm-hmm. Children haven't been taught that, oh, that shadowy figure in the corner isn't really there because just because the adults don't react to it, you know, uh, maybe yeah. I shouldn't react to it. Right. And so I, I think ch- children are way more spiritually sensitive than adults. And over time, it, our culture um, shapes kids to to ignore the spirit mm-hmm. spiritual reality around them, and also our westernized diet poisons their ability. Our diet. It, it, now this our is diet. interesting. Our our it if if our if our brains are naturally designed to encounter the Lord and seek the Lord and be in tune to spiritual things, then. What's a great way to numb that? How about we give it fake food and poison it with just nonsense? And okay. how about we bludgeon it with uh, with just inputs that are not healthy? So okay. yeah, I, I, here's Peter Jackson, by the way, and there's a ring right. I mean, there's uh, the uh, <laughs> there's the uh, Grim Reaper, um, which evidently is what. A spirit of death looks like, from what I've heard from several people. Well, that was one of the things I thought of when I had when I watched this was this is such an iconic image that mm-hmm. the fact that people seem to almost every culture seems to have a very similar idea of what this being looks like. You think maybe because people have seen it. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to give away a little bit about myself that I typically don't go give away because I was one of those kids who who saw the shadowy figure in the corner. 
and mm-hmm. was told, oh, you have such an overactive imagination. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I think people have seen it. And uh, I can count myself among those people. And the monsters in the closet or under the bed might oh, really be there. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And that, that, this is why when my children, my daughters started saying, hey, you know, mom, this is in the house or that's in the house. I, I really made it a point not to discount them mm-hmm. and uh, to, to say, OK, so here's what we're going to do. And, and to walk through the process of, hey, you need to go away in the name of Jesus. Yep. And they and they embrace that, and because I do have two very very spiritually aware daughters, they're grown now, but um, yeah, <laughs> from the time they were itty bitty, and I think part of the reason why they still retain that is because as a parent, just like you've been doing for your daughter, I was able mm-hmm. to go, okay, I, I I'm not going to discount what you have to say, and I'm not going to act like you have an overactive imagination, so. <laughs> that's yep i i love how michael j fox speaking of that same thing michael j fox is playing this so well he, he's looking around like oh, look i don't want to see me talking to the spirit because <laughs> okay. they'll think i'm crazy or they'll think i'm making it up but mm-hmm. uh, you know and that's how you know I, I know people who do talk to these things don't if you see spirits don't talk to them okay <laughs> there's no reason there, there's no good no good it's not you're right. No good reason. Don't do it. There's only one spirit you should be talking to and, you know, the spirit of Jesus. So. Well, you know, I, you sent me uh, an excerpt out of your book and I, I was got to skim through it very quickly. And one of the things that I really appreciated that you put in there was about how the the idea that magic and I, I, I've said something very similar, but magic is trying to uh, I'm, I'm butchering this quote, mm-hmm. but uh, to to control spirits, essentially. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've I've said witchcraft is the uh, over and over again, and I think it's even on some of our previous faith and other oddity uh, commentary uh, podcast that witchcraft is trying to control spirits. Where in Christianity we operate in submission to the spirit, mm-hmm. and, and and that's the only difference. And, and I don't mm-hmm. care what verbiage you want to dress that up with. Uh, I, I think you know you've probably stated enough to know that there's a lot of occult activity that goes on in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't really biblical and it isn't sound and it really is a form of, uh, of, of witchcraft. And so yes. I, I did appreciate that you recognize that because so many Christians don't get that. And I think they're, they're, you know, they're performing a Christianized form of witchcraft without realizing it. So yeah, trying to command God. See, yeah, we got to cooperate with what the Lord wants to do. We don't get to command what the Lord gets to do. So Anyway, it's it's kind of complicated, but but what a lot of pagans do when or, or these people who do engage in witchcraft, they are trying to tap into the power of a of a spirit. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I wish more people did get that because I think oh, I think if we could just understand the fine art of submission, and that we understood that it's not being a doormat, and that it really is a choice, and it's something that we choose to engage in. That it it really becomes the most empowering thing we can ever do as a human being especially when that submission is to the Lord. So, um, yeah. Yeah, a great example is when people will see um, uh, videos on YouTube of, of uh, pagan pagans who are manifesting under a spirit, and it looks a lot very similar to some Christians who manifest under the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. They say, see, see those Christians, they're, they're just, that's just, that's just witchcraft. No, no, it's, it, it, what's the source? Right. You know, the Jesus is pretty clear. If you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to send a serpent. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus just flat out said that. <laughs> right. And so, uh, but if you ask a demon for power, then, the, you know, then those demon worshipers are going to get powered. And when a powerful spirit touches a human, there's going to be a reaction or response. You're going to feel it or, or you have a physical, physical response. And you see the movie does that a little bit, but not, but, but not really. I mean, well, that the, I think the movie it, it hints at some truths. And I, think I mean, when it, it when that's when the spirit passed through um, the banister character mm-hmm. earlier, and he like Ugh, he sort of shuddered, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I, to be honest, when I, I if I pray at church, I'm on the ministry team, and which means I get to pray for people. Um, and we ask invite the Lord to come and touch someone, and they might tremble. That that's the power mm-hmm. of, of Jesus on them, and it's just because Jesus is more powerful than we are, and if He touches us, we we have a physical reaction. <laughs> and yet here in our, our westernized idea you know worldview which is very much greek and not hebraic mm-hmm. um th- there's that separation between the spiritual and the physical that trying to get people to understand there is not a wide gulf between the two that the it's two way more it's way closer yes. way people we are it is way closer than we can oh. conceive of well yeah. then we're responsible for it and we're responsible for how we treat our bodies. We're responsible for what we put in our minds and in our hearts. And, and we don't like that. I mean, I, I, okay, Nathan's going to shoot me for going on that rabbit trail. Uh, personal responsibility is huge to me. And I think that's one of the things that the Bible calls us to is personal responsibility and obedience. And I know that's not popular in churches today, but I, I don't think yeah, we can get well, around it. No, it's if you're representing the king, you better, be, you better act like it. Here, yes. Here's what's kind of funny. So the spirit's yelling at Bannister while he's trying to carry a conversation with, you know, with the sheriff. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yes. I talk to people who they can hear spirits talking around them or whispering or whatever, and they have a hard time concentrating. And, you know, the, the, the community will call them ADHD or whatever, but really they're just picking up stuff in the spirit realm while they're trying to concentrate on the person in front of them. And... I, you know, again, okay, showing way too much of myself than I went to. Uh, Yeah. And what happens is uh, there comes this inundation of the senses because you may hear them, you may smell them, you may see them. Mm -hmm. And trying to focus on what you need to focus on becomes a a battle. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize that this goes hand in glove with uh, this spiritual gifting, and it's part of the reason why um, when people tell me, oh, I want to see the spirit realm, I'm like, no, you don't. No, they don't, right. And I don't see it, but everyone I've talked to who does says you don't want to see it. You mentioned smell. I, just a quick story. Our daughter years ago, I, I had brought, bought my wife some flowers or something, and our daughter, she's quite young, and made a comment like, oh, that smells like Jesus smells. Mm. And we looked at her like, how do you know how Jesus smells? And I swear she looked like, she acted like we, we were crazy. How do you not know how, everybody knows how Jesus smells. And she said one night in her room, a spirit came and she was too scared, too scared to get out of the bed. And so she just asked Jesus to come. And then she smelled roses all over her and she knew Jesus was there and the spirit left. That's awesome. And, and I'm like the Rose of Sharon, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my word, that is, inc- that is. Amazing. Out of the mouth of babes. And I yep. know several people, because I don't get the smell as often as a lot of people I know, uh, or I say a lot of people, but mm-hmm. among the people I know who, who share this kind of uh, gifting, uh, smell is one of the higher ones, actually, on the list of experiences. And mm. uh, smell and, and, and perceptions in changes in temperature 
it's the other thing yeah. that I get. Yeah. This is uh this scene it's so interesting. You know, she's meeting with the psychic to get secret message, a secret no- hidden knowledge from her husband, her dead husband. Which is what a lot of people do. They go to psychics for that. Yes. And so if you're listening, don't do that. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> when I saw this scene, I actually went back to the Witch of Endor or the Medium of Endor. Mm-hmm. Pick yep. one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that was a capital crime in, in Israel. They they weren't supposed to, at that time in Israel's history, people were um, consulting ancestral spirits for advice for, mm-hmm. for various reasons. And they were, um, in some cases, worshiping them. And... Young Saul, when Saul was a good king, he and then other kings uh, forbade that. Like, no, no, don't talk to ancestral spirits. Um, you can honor them. Don't talk to them. They're, they're dead. You talk to God. You talk right. to God. So, so it's okay. So I have to ask. Now, a lot of times when we talk to, script, uh, to, to Christians, when you say, okay, we're talking about ghosts, they say, no, they're, they're not the departed spirits of a loved one. We're mm-hmm. actually dealing with a demon posing as a loved one. What's yep. your response to that? So that is a common interpretation, but that is not biblical. There isn't a single case in the Bible where a demon uh, impersonated a human spirit. Okay. Now, people will talk about the witch of Endor scene, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll just say, well, that was a demon. But the text, nowhere in the text indicates that. I completely that, agree. You have to impose an, an external idea onto the text to get that. In fact, when people saw a ghost or thought about ghosts in, the, in Scripture, they, they just acknowledged it was a ghost. I mean, once Jesus walked on water and they, they said, oh, look, it's a ghost. And he, he didn't say, you idiots, there aren't such thing as ghosts. You no, know, he, he, said, <laughs> he said, no, it's me. And what's funny about that is in that first, gener- first century Roman Empire, Everybody knew ghosts couldn't walk on water, and so the disciples that was just a that was just a trope in ghost stories. Ghosts right. can't cross water. Uh, gods can, divine beings can, but ghosts can. And so whenever they, they the disciples see Jesus walking on the water, they say he's a ghost. The reader in the first century is like, "You idiots! Ghosts can't walk on water, but a god can." And they're like, "Oh my word! Jesus is a god, right?" And yes, he is not just a god; he is the god, right? The most high. And but I and love also that element. <laughs> Yep, and also in the Old Testament, there is a word specifically for ghosts, and there is specifically a word for people who talk to ghosts, but not to not to demons. If you okay. if you were the kind of person who would talk to a demon or a a small g god, a, a divine being, you were an, a, a necromancer or a wizard or um, or a false prophet. Okay, and there's another, there's another prophetic word um, in the movie. It, but if you were someone who talked to a ghost, you were a psychic or a medium. So that that's. That's how the words translate. I can't remember the Hebrew words now, but I, so I, I believe that Ab is one of them. I'd have to. Yeah, remember. Ab is the word for the human spirit, and it's always used for a human spirit. Gotcha. Um, so it's never. So if it were not so there were laws in the in the Hebrew in the Old Testament law, um, the Old Covenant law. There are laws against talking to other 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 um, spirits, and there are laws against talking. Against talking to human spirits, right? So you'd well, have if, the, if sh- the shadim and the ab. So you yeah, would be so able to talk to neither of those, right? So if they were the same thing, why would you have two sets of laws? That makes sense. I hadn't thought of it, but it's amazing how just applying a little logic to the Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, so that that that's why. 
there, there's not a single case of, and here we have the spirit killing someone. Finally, he can see it. And a creepy scene, him coming out of the mirror like that. So, well, I, and I have, a, I have a question because I, I have had those experiences. Um, and I actually messaged, I put this in a message to you earlier, where my grandmother has mm-hmm. woke me up on multiple occasions. And it, it, I think it should go without saying she's dead, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so she has woke me up like when I'm sleeping through the alarm or the alarm didn't go off. Like right before, you know, the last minute before I need to leave to make an important event. So what is, you, you know, we aren't supposed to speak to ghost. So what kind of response would you counsel someone like me? Uh, what, should, what should I have? What, what would be bi- a biblical response to that? So the skeptical, the skeptical Christian will say, hey, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay. And I'm just going to address that right now real quick. That phrase is ripped out of a passage not dealing with the human dead. <laughs> okay. It's talking about something. It's, it's from an old translation, and it's talking about something altogether different. It's a terrible example of it's a terrible. You shouldn't rip a passage <laughs> out and build a whole theology when the rest of the scriptures argue against that theology. So, right. Um, so, you know, if, if your grandmother, if so, the Lord is sovereign. And if your grandmother is with the Lord and she said, hey, Emily's falling, is sleeping in. Can I go down and wake her up? And he, he, he's God. Sure, go ahead. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and, and so she wakes you up and that's weird. You know, oh, thanks, Grandma. You can go back to God now, you know, <laughs> and, and leave it at that. You know, let it be. I, I know people who've been to funerals and they've seen the dearly departed mm-hmm. next to the casket. Mm-hmm. Okay. The dead body's there and they see the spirit next to it. And the spirit's there and it just, and then what do you do with that? Don't do anything with it. Just say, oh, there it is. Huh. You know, and eventually it'll fade. Maybe it lingers for a while. If it continues to linger and, and stirs things up, then you just send, send it to the father. You say, look, this is not your place. You're supposed to move on. It's time for you to go to the Father. If so you it do doesn't, believe spirits can can still hang around places or around people? Yeah, after. because of experiences. Now, that's not to say a demon can't impersonate a human. It's just not biblical. But I think a demon can impersonate people, certainly. Demons can impersonate uh, angels, can impersonate the Lord, can impersonate the human dead, which is why ultimately we really should interact with ghosts. If you see a if you see a ghostly spirit, and you think it's your you know, and it's it's like hanging around. If grandma it keeps following you around and tries to interact with you, um, that's when you just ask the Lord, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this situation here? Well, you know? so okay, and I ask that question mostly for the audience because you know when when this has happened to me, it's like grandma shows up, wakes me up, and then I know she's gone, uh, and I can't tell you yeah. how I know she's gone. She's just gone. On the flip side, I lived in a house that was built in 1840, and um, there would be a woman who would walk through the house, and she would kept saying, "Can you hear me? I need to ask you a question." Mm. And the 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 desire to interact was actually my tip off. Mm-hmm. Grandma didn't want to interact. Grandma just wanted me to right. wake up, and she was done. Um, this woman, whoever she was, or whatever the spiritual entity was. Was very persistent in wanting to interact, and I, I knew enough, thankfully, <laughs> because uh, I knew very little about spiritual warfare at this point. Where I, I, I just told her to to go, and, and she did 
cease and desist and leave me alone at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, that was um, also, you know, I think sometimes when these spiritual events happen, there there's this uh, instinctual reaction that I think Christians need to 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 grab hold of. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I want to. This is uh, something that I'm going to throw out there. I don't know how you feel about this. Give me your feedback on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I found is in these spiritually charged situations is one of two things happens. It, it's either a total revulsion. Uh, get mm-hmm. me out of here. I don't want to be here. This scares me. This angers me. Whatever. It's a negative emotion. Or there's a high. And just because it's a high, like in a good feeling, doesn't mean it's a good experience. That's correct. Yep. Okay. We don't follow our feelings. And because it, it might smell good and, and, and make you feel happy. Um, look, if the Spirit's trying to interact with you, then you ask the Lord, Lord, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, in my book, I have a, another, uh, I interviewed some uh, spiritual house cleansers and they were in a, in, a, in a building where the demon wouldn't leave. One of them was a seer and he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And the demon would say something back to the, to the Christian. And the Christian said, Father, he's not leaving. Uh, and it, you know, and it's like, I don't understand that. He says that he has permission to be here, Lord. What do I do? You know, and he, so the, like the guy would not interact with the demon. He, he went to the Father. I out love loud. that. It, 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 was a, it was weird observing it, <laughs> you know, because you're yeah. hearing, it's like hearing a conversation on one side. And finally, the Lord revealed to him, oh, that someone else had, had authority over the situation and, and they, they dealt with that way. But the, the thing is that you can't trust the spirit. You just, you just can't. Right. You, ha- you have to measure what is being said. So, Okay, so uh, the, uh, you are the first person I've ever heard who's articulated that. And, and so I'm just going to go way out of field here. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex-husband, and he was a bad man. And I'm not even going to go into all of the ways that he was a bad man. He, he was a bad man. Uh, I, the marriage came to an abrupt and screeching halt when he tried to kill me. Mm. And one of the the things that uh, I kept being told by my charismatic friends uh, was that I needed to cast the demons out of my house, and okay. it it and I I would I mean you I would pray I would cast the demons out of my house I would anoint the doorways in oil which was huge for this little Southern Baptist girl because we didn't mm-hmm. do things like that you could slide right in my front door and out the back door I mean there was that much oil. And, um, but they, the demons kept coming back and I'm not talking like there was an icky feeling in the house. I mean, they would walk through doorways and say, I know that, you know, I'm here. I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm not going away. They were that real. And so finally, what I understood was as the spiritual head of our household, yes, my husband, who was addicted to pornography, who was Mm -hmm. abusive. And had a million other things wrong with him, and refused to re- refused to repent of. Uh, it was him inviting them back. Yes. Yep. And so you're the first person who has confirmed what I have been saying. Okay, I'm not going to get. I'm going to try to tone down my excitement here because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just really nice. Was um, his name like first in the mortgage, the lease, or anything? I mean, is that was? Yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything. And matter of fact, one of the yeah. reasons why he specifically married me was because he knew as a good Christian girl, mm-hmm. I, and not a woman at that point, uh, actually a girl, 
that I would be submissive and allow him to inhabit that space of a total authority, not only, um, you know, of himself and our household, but everything involving our life. And so um, it, it wound up being a very interesting um, situation that I eventually had to flee from in order to protect me and my children. So that's, yeah, and, and trying to convince people that even though I was the believer in the marriage, he, as the, the head of the household, was a, the one opening the door, essentially. Yeah, well, it's right in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, but people don't believe the scriptures. They they think, oh, come on. Well, um, don't you know yes. that a wife can save her husband? Yeah, and, and so that's a, that's a whole other story, and we won't go there. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, and so I, I think for a lot of people, uh, especially women who are in these kind of situations, who feel like they're going mad when the spiritual warfare is is this intense, and the, I think this that's an encouraging thing. To, to yeah. know that it's not their fault. Well, they have not it, failed. Yes. Right. Yep. The, the, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's, and it's very upsetting. I've had people reach out to me with this situation. A lot of wives, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, man, this is a marriage thing. This is, you know, and I'm like, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm so sorry you're in this situation. You know, I, I can't, you know, You've got to get out, you know, or you got to get the husband got to make a change. He's got to repent. Precisely. Because first Corinthians five, it boils it down and it talks about, you know, what do we have to do with judging the those outside of the church? But then it talks about those within the church. And it says, if there is a man who who calls himself brother, who calls himself by the name of Christ, Mm -hmm. and he is a reviler, a drunkard, and all of these, it goes through this list of sins. We aren't even supposed to eat with him. And it doesn't say, don't eat with him unless you're his wife. And right. then eat, eat with him, <laughs> you know, clean, his, clean up after him and all of the other stuff that goes along with being a wife. So, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's huge. So, uh, but yeah, we're getting kind of far afield from the movie. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a great conversation. So we have uh, you, the gentleman's just gone up into the white tunnel. Do you have any kind of information on this white tunnel of light? Have you done anything with that? <laughs> no, I, I haven't. But I, I love the imagery. I, I, that is such a cool imagery. I don't I've never heard anyone. You know, people always say, oh, go into the light or whatever. But I don't know how accurate just, that is. I had just wondered. Now, I do love the fact that we are at an Egyptian um uh, exhibit here uh, when all this going uh, is going on, and just for anyone curious, according to the Talmud, that there were thirteen forces of evil loosed on the world, and Egypt had nine of them. So huh. there's there's a little bit of um, <laughs> of trivia, uh, depending on you know how much stock you want to put into it, you might want to pray about. But <laughs> I th- I think that whole stairway to heaven uh, imagery is is cool, um, but. I don't think it has anything to do with after you die. Like I, I but maybe it does. I don't know. Well, I, I don't I, I think I've not I'll, heard anyone say they've seen anything like that before. Yeah, I've never actually spoken to anyone with that particular experience. Uh the only biblical thing I could go back to would maybe be uh Jacob's ladder. Okay. Uh, you're gonna go there. I want to go there too. <laughs> so here's how one way Christians just start thinking about themselves. So, so Jacob, he, he has a dream and he has a dream about the ladder, the stairway to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And 
and he he wakes up and says, "Oh, this is Bethel. This because God, this is uh, God is in this place. And I did not know it." And Bethel means stairway to heaven or gateway to heaven. And and so then Jesus, the next, the only because what he says is, "I saw angels ascending and descending on mm-hmm. there." The only other time that that phrase is used in the Bible is when Jesus says, "Hey, uh, that's me. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on me." Okay, so he's saying, "I am Bethel. I am the gate to heaven now." All right. And so then what happens after uh, when we have faith in the Lord and you feel the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes, we are now Bethel. We have angels ascending and descending on us, and, or we, at least we have the access to the, the right. gate to heaven is the Holy Spirit, is, is Jesus. If we are in Christ, he's in us, then that is inside us. We have heaven's access to us. And so one way to think about Christians is they are people walking around with these, with these gates to heaven everywhere they go. Oh, that's they, awesome. And when you pray, you're sort of accessing that. That's that's how you're. That's that's your how you have a radio to God. To quote another movie. Okay, you know? so yeah, then uh, uh, you just you you just totally. So, one of my things that I've maintained uh, forever is that when Christians do or anybody really does something like uh, play with a Ouija board or mm-hmm. tarot cards or you know all of these stereotypical uh, scrying whatever. Um, mm-hmm. that basically this is like setting up a radio antenna in the spirit world and saying, who's going to answer? Yes. And, and you never know who's going to answer. So the fact that you have radio to God and that we as Christians, our direct link, we, don't, we shouldn't have to worry about who's going to answer. It, it, yep. it's, we should know exactly who's on the other end of that line. And, yep. so, and, and as a Christian, watching this scene is so helpless because he's not a believer. And you're like, what can mm-hmm. you can't do it? You cannot win. This spirit is going to win. He has no weapons. Yeah. He is unable to do anything. And this is like, is a heart wrenching scene. And if you're not a believer, you're watching this, you're like, yeah, there's nothing you can do. It's like, there's nothing you. He can do to stop it, or or you hope that the spirits are effective enough, the ones that are quote unquote under your control. Yeah, right. That right. will will save you. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, this is. Uh, I finally succumbed to to peer pressure, and I uh, watched Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I've never it, watched it. It's okay. It's a theological train wreck. Um, yeah, and the you know the thing about train wrecks is you can't look away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's kind of what this show is. And, and like I spent half of the show that I was watching when I was watching it going, guys, the answer is so easy. It's so simple. But then recognizing that they wouldn't have a show if. Right. You know? Right. Yep. <laughs> well, so so that this gets to is the gospel presented in this story? And um, I think it is. I think you can find the gospel or at least you can see the problem the gospel is trying to solve or solves, I should say. In this story, um, it's uh, this is you know this is where the movie it goes from comic you have uh, these crazy cops mm-hmm. shooting in the in the museum mm-hmm. to suddenly it's going to turn pretty dark and scary here, you yeah. know and um, yeah this well, this, stair- this you know this stairway to heaven I think is a movie's representation of everybody goes someplace after you die and faith doesn't really matter. Well, and it also, I think it poses the question, because we do have these little flashbacks with Michael J. Fox's character, you know, going back to the death of his wife and, and then being in present. 
So do you think trauma has any impact on spiritual oppression? Yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. (laughs) Trauma done to you can bring spirits. People who have been sexually abused definitely are afflicted by uh, enemy spirits. And uh, people who do the sexual abuse does it. They're, They're also afflicted, you know. If you're traumatized by like your you know your spouse or for sure you have stuff going on um it, yeah but also in in his situation he didn't see spirits before his accident so when his wife was killed so I know so how do you get to see spirits people write me all the time I want to be able to see spirits so I'm like well no you don't but you know typically I think people are born with this ability but other people are given the ability when they're they have a spiritual encounter. Mm. Um, not so much. He had a near-death experience, so maybe I think I, I had someone write me and said they had a near-death experience when they came out of it able to see spirits. So it does take a traumatic event, or it's just a gift that the Lord gives you at, at birth, you know. Yeah, I seriously, folks. Again, you, this is not a gift you want. Uh, I know he doesn't want it. I mean, he has it and he's using it inappropriately, but I don't think he really wants it. Right. Well, and I, I think that goes back to you don't have to be a, a Christian. You know, God's gifts are irrevocable. And I yeah. think there's some gifts that he gives you and you get to decide how you want to use them. I, I'm a firm believer that if Stephen King were a Christian, oh, yeah. that he could just, the books he would write, it, it just blow my mind. The, I, the What he could do for the kingdom. That idea fascinates me. Because, um, I mean, he's a compelling storyteller. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, he has, I, you I, have I, a gift. You have a cho- choice to use it. Mm-hmm. You know how you want to use it. How you who you want to glorify. Who you want to write. Precisely. Or create for. Yeah. Yeah. I, well. I want to talk about this this Dammers character. Okay. So Dammers, he's about to say, you know, by the power invested in me by the president of the United States. Um, Dammers. What does he represent? Mm. He represents the law. So oh. now we're getting to where the gospel. And his name is Dammers. I was curious. What, yeah. What does the law do? It damns you. Yeah. Now think about this. This is so he. He's coming with a naturalist explanation to what's going on, and he's an expert in the occult. They kind of hint at it. Mm-hmm. Um. But and, and that has warped how he thinks about things. But so he, he's the law, and he's condemning. And later we see he wants to kill. He wants to judge and kill the man. Who, right. by the way, is trying trying to build a house, trying to build paradise here on on, on Earth. So, oh. the law. Think about why the law was given. We think of the law is was given to um, cure uh, sin in the garden, but there's other reasons why the law was given. He, um, the second big transgression in the Bible is uh, before the flood, when uh, spirits had sex with humans, and they gave birth to giants. Yes, the B'nai okay. Elohim. Yep, that's in Genesis 6. And so then the flood, one of the outcomes... And so the Second Temple Jews really struggled with, why is... If God is good, why is there evil? This is what we struggle with today. Mm-hmm. If God is good, why do bad things happen? And they realized, yes, some of it was the Adam Adam situation, but a lot of it is what happened right before the flood when these, when these spirits, they called them watchers, um, the sons of God, when they came down to earth and they had access to women and they... And, and and they gave birth to giants, and of course the flood came and killed the giants, and they thought that that demons were the spirits of these giants. But the the transgressions of these of these spirits, they they really struggled with it, and they concluded um, in Second Temple period, and and the Bible, the New Testament is a Second Temple document. 
Mm-hmm. So the biblical writers were familiar with this. They concluded that these, these spirits committed three great sins to get access to these human women. The first sin was they, gra- they gave, um, they gave uh, weaponry. They gave advanced right. technology to kill mm-hmm. uh, to humans. And, and you'll see this in this movie. Second thing they gave is um, occult knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay, magic, occult knowledge. The third thing they gave was how to turn women into sex objects, basically. Right. How to how to turn into sex objects. Those Absolutely. are the great, great three great sins. And the Second Temple Jews believed that. Uh, well, Paul said uh, two things. Second Temple Jews believed that the Messiah would would not only defeat those spirits who were locked up, incidentally, but not only defeat like would overcome what they did and overturn mm-hmm. those three areas. You know, overturn what they did. So that 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 was important to them to Second Temple Jews, for the Messiah to overcome the sin of the watchers or the transgression of the watchers. And Paul said that one of the reasons the law was given is to protect Israel from these transgressions. Okay, so now we have, so, but then, so that's what, that's what the, the law is. So he, Dammer's here. He needs to, he's going after the wrong person. What's going on here is you have a spirit who is killing and we'll find out later that the spirit is having relations with a human, a human woman, just like in Genesis 6. And there's going to be some, he's going to suggest some weaponry in the killing a little bit later. These are spoilers. I hope you've seen the movie. <laughs> uh, and you're going to find out later there's occultism involved with what brought the spirit forward. And uh, the, the third thing, so you have weapons, occult. Oh, yeah, and, the, and then the sex with the woman, which they don't show, but they hint at it. And um, meanwhile, the law should be protecting this man and the other and the other humans from that spirit, but instead he's attacking, which is what the law does. And so, how? So, what is the what is God's solution? What is the gospel? If this movie presents the gospel, then somebody should die to defeat that spirit and then come back to life. Ah, uh, yes. Or this movie might present. A, a human alternative, a human solution to this problem of a spirit attacking. So we'll so, see. Okay, so what would be an example of the human solution? Uh, well, I would guess false religion, you know, maybe occultism or maybe something like out of the X-Files, how they would try to use science to solve it. Maybe a bigger, you know? better spell. Yeah, yeah, okay. basically. Try to get a bigger, better demon to come after another god, for instance, to try to... Uh, I, I would guess maybe um, the, the movie doesn't really, d- the good guys aren't really doing, the only thing he's doing is he's talking, he's talking to spirits. He's using spirits to con people. Yeah, that's a sin, but it's not murder. Right. You know, so I mean, it's, it's more of a reflection that he's a broken man as his home is reflecting. He's a broken man. Well, I was shocked with how many spiritual themes were, were woven through this. I mean, I, yeah, I know it's about spirits, but there. There's ways that I think our culture deals with spiritual entities versus spirituality. And, yes, and right. I see a lot of this spirituality. Is a, this is really sweet, by the way. I, just, this is so sweet that he built the garden after all. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think that shows you, you know, that that's his, his heart. Yep. You know, his heart really was about love. Yeah. <laughs> and the dead husband's like such a, still such a jerk. <laughs> Oh yeah, perfectly waste, good waste, perfectly good waste. Whatever I can't even say it. Uh, but back to you, you're saying our our culture is trying to understand. We deal with spirituality. We try to make up ways to think about these things that are just 
you know. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I think, you know, a lot of times as Christians, um, we don't know what to do with what our culture does with spirituality. I, yeah. I don't think that we understand that, like, even a movie such as this, in, in many ways, it's a question. Mm-hmm. And it's a question that deserves an honest, sincere Okay, I, hang on response. a second. Uh, this scene, with the ghost sees right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know people <laughs> who have seen that. They, yeah. I know people who can walk down the hall, walk down the street and look at a house and tell you what sin's going on in that house or what blessing's going on in that house mm-hmm. just by looking at it. I know, I know people who can look at the angel standing outside of a church and tell you what kind of church it is. And here's the hard part for me because I, I 100% know those people exist. Mm-hmm. You you need to have a relationship with those people, and you need to know that you can trust their hearts. Yeah, right. And yep. just because someone can say they can do that is not reason to trust them. Oh, but, no, of course not. Yeah, but, no, and I'm not saying that you're saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they just like, I thought, wow, really? Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. how, what do you do? You don't do anything with that knowledge. It's just, it is what it is. It's, it's just information. You can't, you know... But unless it's unless you're going in to clean a house, then that can that can be quite helpful. Well, and at that point, you need to wait for an invitation. Is my perspective? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You can't do it without permission. Just like you know those go, those spirits that were bugging you. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's some legal stuff going on there. Yeah. It, well, and I think that's one of the things. I, I I put this in a message. You know, we have lots of people in either ditch when it comes to spiritual gift scenes, but very few people mm-hmm. on the road. Um. You know, I, I have a lot of people uh, who say, oh, well, are you telling me there's a demon behind every bush? And, you know, and they kind of laugh. And I'm like, uh, actually, I am. Well, I've heard, I have a, someone who wrote me and said, if if that was the case, there aren't enough bushes. <laughs> right. Is what he said. That, and I just, you know, as someone who doesn't see anything, I, I just have a hard time believing it. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, you know, and I, I'm in this space. Uh, and I'm just going to take him for his word. And I've had more, I've had several people basically say that. Yeah. Well, and, and here, <laughs> here's the thing. I think with wisdom and maturity and kind of experience, you kind of realize that just because they're there doesn't mean it's yours to take on. Oh, sure. Exactly. And, and, I had, yep. I had a student who used to try to pray against these things and she'd see spirits all over school. Yeah. Her, her high school and following, you know, spirits following kids and stuff. She tried to pray against them without permission without telling them, look, we're not supposed to minister to spirits. We minister to people. Right. And so instead of praying against the spirit of suicide following someone, go to the person and say, hey. What can I do for you? <laughs> yeah. And so after, and so she always gets sick. She, she, they would attack her because she didn't have mm-hmm. permission. And uh, after counseling her, she changed tactics and started ministering to the people. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything. Well, you know, it changed. Uh, honestly... Dealing with the spiritual realm sometimes is easier than dealing with people. Well, <laughs> people are way more complicated with the spiritual realm. It's good or evil. Yeah. Period. I mean, the, people are a mixture of both. Yeah, and, but, and yeah, so, you're right. Deliverance <laughs> can be not just it's not a prayer. It can be inner healing. It can mm-hmm. be it can be counseling. There's so much. We are super complicated creatures. Oh, we we are, and, and I think that was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. Is people the, people write me and they say, "Oh, I have a spirit, and I, I need, you know, I, I need all the. It's like, can you pray that it goes? Like, you need counseling, <laughs> you need pastoral <laughs> counseling, and and the deliverance will come. Like, you need to know who you are in Christ. It's a lot easier to to set someone free from a spirit when they understand who they 
who they are in Christ. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's okay. So I'm gonna get my soapbox here. Mm-hmm. Proper theology, a proper understanding of God's word, a willingness to submit yourself to His word. Um, these things make dealing with the spiritual realm so much easier. Yeah, and, and most people I know of who are dealing with spiritual issues, if they would just begin to accept the fact that God expects obedience and doing the things that we were last told to do until he tells us to do something new, that, mm-hmm. that's where we need to be. And, and trusting him that when he says that, you know, don't, don't lie, don't steal, don't, you, you know, sleep with someone you're not married to. Mm-hmm. Accepting that those are true things from Father's mouth and aligning your life accordingly, 90% of people's problems with the spiritual realm would stop. Now, yep. there's, <laughs> yeah, I, now, I mean, there's another 10% that are more entrenched and we go back mm-hmm. to those trauma issues. Uh, mm-hmm. We go back to generational things. We go back to so many different factors. But seriously, 90% of it is just a hard heart. It's disobedience. And, and the Bible calls it rebellion, which is like witchcraft. So, yep. okay, I, yep. I'm sorry. I can get wound up on this. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, half my book, my book is called Peace in Your House. I wrote it because um, uh, people kept coming to my website wanting a, a prayer to clean their house. And I'm like, man, it's not a prayer. It's a person. Right. And if you're not going to submit everything to Jesus, I don't know what the point of, of saying the prayer is. Uh, honestly, so, I, I've got to the point where if someone's not willing to submit to Jesus, I, I won't even pray to them. If they I mean, that, that's biblical because Paul said, basically, look, if someone's in the, in the body, in the church, who's sinning, and he's inviting spiritual stuff in, turn him over to Satan for a while. Right. And then, and then you know, then mm-hmm. when he's ready to repent, bring him back into the family. Right. And so, because God wants, God wants what he paid for. Mm, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it, <laughs> he doesn't uh, want half of it. <laughs> Well, and I, and I do think that, you know, to kind of riff off of Bonhoeffer uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. we, we do cheapen grace so yes. often in our culture. And it, it's not cheap, it's free. And there's a difference. Paid for. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I don't think people realize that, that being able to, to have authority in the spiritual realm, it, you know, it goes back to Simon the Sorcerer. Um, yeah. it's, we cannot pay enough, uh, to, we cannot do enough to kind of buy God off. It, it, it's not going to happen. And, and I think we need to stop trying to think that we can bargain with him. Right. He, and so. That's what people want to do. If I, if I do this, will you do this? Uh, well, that's what freaking Jephthah did. If I do this, right? then you do this. And God's like, I, oh, why'd you, why'd you do that? It's like, God's just like, you know who you are? Mm-hmm. Be that, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that because we're actually we're going to be we're going to be talking about that on faith and other oddities. Uh, may actually be out before this episode comes out. And you know what's so funny is the church doesn't like to teach that story. Oh, I know. <laughs> they they want to they want to change it because it makes them uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, <laughs> but I mean, this is where we are, and uh, I. This is where I have to watch myself because you and I, I think you and I get it. And I have to make sure our listeners get what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is funny because this is our first conversation that we've had. 
But when you've studied this stuff and you've walked with people who've gone through it, there is a level of understanding that, that just comes from those experiences that don't come any other ways. Um, now, I think I, I should explain something about this identity, what, what I just said. Okay. Here, I'm going to give an example. A few years ago, my daughter came home with an F on a math test. An F, okay? Here's an example <laughs> of one spirit beating up another spirit, by the way. <laughs> right. Okay. And they do um, that. Yep, that happens. Um, I'm not sure about this whole crushing the soul thing, but anyway, so she came home and, and I told her, honey, I, well, first I wanted to yell. The German in me came out. But then, <laughs> the, you know, then like, hey, father like the father. So I said, Overmeyers don't get Fs in math. We get A's or B's. And she said, oh, I didn't know that. And I said, well, we didn't know that because I never told you. Now I'm telling you. And she instantly turned that F into it. An A, and she's had an A or B ever since. And, <laughs> and you, you know what? That, that's identity. I told her who she is. Now go act like who you are. Yeah. And the book, of, and James, the book of James says, don't you know who you are? Why aren't you acting like it? Mm-hmm. And, and really a lot of Paul's letters, half the letters are him saying, here's who you are. Right. And then the other half is like, now here's how that looks like in real life. Right. So just act like who you are. And, and if you fail or when you fail, you know, Lord, that wasn't me. That's not me. I'm so sorry. That's not me. That's not what you paid for. I wasn't representing you when I did that. Will you forgive me? And now let's move on and uh, help me help me to grow, you know? Now, here he is trying to solve this in a human way. Okay? Okay? Because this I can't is what we it. do. <laughs> All right. I can't beat it. I'm going to solve it in a human way. And she's like, well... Let me, I have an alternative, but it's still going to be a human way. We're going to try right. to solve this in a human way. All right. This is what we do as a gospel. You know, we don't want the gospel, so we try to. <laughs> this is us. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to use science to, at least they didn't use the, this is so interesting. They didn't use like an out of body, like an occult thing, mm-hmm. you know, like astral projection, you know. Right. Uh, I, I, they could have gone there. They didn't go there in this movie. They're, they're using, we're going we're gonna to sort of artificially kill him, and then 20 minutes I'll bring him back. And I, it's I interesting, they don't, interesting. yeah, they don't go to the occult in the film. But, you know, I'm finding, you know, this was actually pretty early as far as, like, my um, exposure to this kind of, if I would have been watching this when it came out, my exposure mm-hmm. into... Uh, horror and the spiritual phenomenon side of things uh but you know this is pretty normal that the the idea that there is a scientific answer that Mm -hmm. there is some sort of physical gyration we can go through and the fancier the words are the less pagan it sounds (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah And, and, and I'm yep. not knocking science. I love science. Science is fascinating. And I think we need to have respect for it because it shows, you know, who God is and his creativity as a creator. Uh, and, you know, can we ever have too much awe and wonder in what God has done? I, I, don't, I don't think so. So, mm. uh, you know, the, so, the, the, the tension there of, of faith and science, it, it, it's a good place to be <laughs> in, the, mm-hmm. right in the middle of it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I, I did think this was interesting. I don't know if this was intentional, uh, but they, he's freezing to death instead of burning to death. I thought that was kind of you mm-hmm. know the the juxtaposition of hell there. Uh, yeah. So, 
And again, I'm back to how much information does Peter Jackson have and how much of it is um, inspired in some other means and ways. So, but she's, again, uh, the, I think the feminine archetypes in, in this movie are interesting because she, she is the, both the savior yeah, in many ways, but she, the woman or the women, uh, particularly in the house, are also the means of of what what brought this on. They're the cause, and, and so, um, it, in some ways, it fits very nicely into this modern view of femininity that oh, yeah. is both um, opposed to the biblical ideal of fem- femininity. And mm-hmm. very much in keeping with the idea of femininity. But it, there's no tension between the two. We just fall into extremes. And mm-hmm. I, I think you know, we really need the tension uh, to get the full view of, of biblical femininity. Because, yes, Eve sinned. But Mary was the one through who the Creator came. Uh, the, the Savior same, came. I came and talked tonight. Sorry. <laughs> so... But the, Mary this, is awesome. When you think about what that woman went through. Uh, oh, my goodness. When people say, hey, I just want God's favor. I, you know, I want God's favor. But really? Because Mary had God's favor. <laughs> right. And she spent 30 years being con- considered, a, you know, like sleep, had, having slept with somebody. Exactly. And, and nobody knew nobody who Jesus' father was. I mean, they, they say that to Jesus. Yeah, well, we didn't come from sexual immorality like you did. Right. Right, uh, the Ouch. son of Mary, not the son of Joseph, but the son of Mary. Uh, yeah. it, it's there, and we actually uh, talk about how uh, you know, blessed among women, how the that phrase connects back to Jael, and that's the only other time you find it in the Bible. It's Mary and Jael. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So you know, the, I mean, the one who did, who did the Sisera with the tent yeah. bag, yeah, yeah, the, the original migraine giver. Yes. Yes. And so when other people tell me, oh, you know, Mary's meek and mild and sweet and, you know, like cotton candy sweet. I'm like, this woman had grit and backbone. Oh, man. Mary. Let me tell you something <laughs> about Mary. You'll, you'll like this. So uh, the first the first miracle, um, Jesus says, woman, my time isn't come. And Jesus only mm-hmm. said what the father said to say. Right, but, but Mary had spent thirty years thinking about the kingdom, right? Because that was the message that she the angels these gave her. Things in her heart. Yep, for thirty years, and and the kingdom, you don't run out of wine because um, in the, one of the Psalms it says that God gave uh, wine to make the heart merry. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite verses. You know, <laughs> so you don't run out of wine in the weddings. That's something that doesn't happen in the kingdom. She spent thirty years thinking about the kingdom, and when they ran out, we were going to run out, run out of wine. She basically grabbed the kingdom, which was still in the future, and said, and brought it present. She moved God's timeline. Ah. Because Jesus said, my timeline isn't here yet. I love it. And she said, "Uh, I understand the kingdom, son. Yes, it is. And the father was like, yes, it is. And then he moved the timeline up. Okay. So now here's what I love about the story. So when you put these, uh, I love the depth and the complexity of the scripture. It's just amazing. Because here we have these giant jugs of water. That mm-hmm. are there for purification rites, mm-hmm. so that the the people can partake of the wedding feast and be pure. And where we've bashed, you know, the Pharisees for for following all these laws, 
This guy is acting in obedience. This is the last thing God told the people to do. And, mm-hmm. and so you have this act of obedience, and then you have Jesus being invited to the wedding. So you have obedience and relationship together, opening the door for miracles. Yeah. So you, yeah. you've got the two in tandem, and then you bring this piece in with Mary. That, that story becomes so much more powerful than Jesus just wanting him to have a fun time at the party. Yes. That story is there for a reason. <laughs> right. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Well, and that's so, the beautiful thing about Scripture. The more yeah. you think about it, the more you realize how much depth and complexity there is, just like a good wine. And uh, Jesus so, loves women, by the way. I mean, he... Absolutely. Women couldn't even testify in court in the Roman Empire. Absolutely. And who, did, who, did, who gave the testimony that Jesus came back? Women. The, the first woman? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> This is yeah. a this is a great uh, Jackson scene. He likes the skull. He likes the skeletons. <laughs> yes, he, he does. <laughs> I, I, I do have to tag this on. The first person to prophesy that the Messiah was coming was a woman, and that was Hannah in Samuel <laughs> two. But we lose that in the English translations with the God's anointed yes, instead of God's okay. Messiah. So anyway, I just have to throw that out there because it's just. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I'll try to include in the show notes that there's actually a link. Uh, I went through Genesis, Nathan and I on Faith and Other Oddities went through um, Genesis and looked at all the places where the first on behalf of women, whether it was a prophet being commissioned or the first plague or all of, all of these things, first time God appears for women specifically. So anyway, uh <laughs> I get excited about that because I was raised in a very, um, women, the only thing we remembered for were, was Eve sending in the garden and then Jezebel. Yeah. So. Uh, Something the Pentecostals have really, have really been good, great about ever since it started, you know, a hundred and some years ago mm-hmm. is, is the role of women. And yes. I think the wider body is, is embracing that more, which is, which is good. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's something we got to do in balance. Uh, women aren't better than men, but we aren't no. less than men. Right. So finding that, that balance. And, uh, and I, I know we went far afield. And here we, we've had Michael J. Fox's character, Frank Bannister. He, he's died and he's yep. now dead and he is fighting death. And he said, okay, so the spirit here says, oh, I got out. How did you get out of hell? We actually find out later how he got out. Like it's one of the last lines in the movie, right? Um, yeah. I, I, are these these aren't creatures he killed? I, I thought, first I thought these are people he died, he had killed, but some of them he had, but a lot of them are just people in the graveyard coming out to watch. And I can't remember how many precisely he had killed. It was forty something. Well, it was twelve before he died, and then it was. He's oh. up to 40 now. Yeah, okay, because Michael J. Fox's, uh, or Frank Bannister, his wife was yeah. 13. Yep. So, Which, uh, again, you know, you have, have a great number of rebellion there, and 13 number of rebellion in Scripture, by the way. Right. Not in American history, but in Scripture. <laughs> right. 13 is given a couple times, and both times it was in a, in a situation of rebellion. So I, I have to ask, um, just, since you brought up the, the numerology there, or the gematria mm-hmm. there, um, so how much credence do you put in the, the science or the spirituality of numbers? 
Uh, it depends. I, I, I don't know. I, it kind of it, it's very situational. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get that because I, I sometimes I, I refer to them as winks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that God just kind of kind of gives you a little wink. Uh, don't as in don't build a total theology on this. But if you're paying attention, you might see me here. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of looking. <laughs> that's a great way of looking at it. But you put it in the art, you know, like make it. It does tell it does tell something uh, for sure. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't build a, you know, I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go Isaac Newton on it. Oh, right. <laughs> nice little nod to the last paranormal episode yep. there. <laughs> also, we'll put yeah. a link to that in the show notes so you can yep. hear. Doug and uh, Michael Heiser and uh, was Brian Gadawa on that or yes mm-hmm. yes okay I I can't remember the names I did listen to it it was a great episode uh, so I yeah, did there's a panel of us where we discuss peer reviewed research of supposedly paranormal things I say supposedly because a lot of times things aren't that paranormal but other times they are other times they are paranormal so yeah y'all just need to do more episodes more quickly yeah I know it's it's a <laughs> It's a challenge. So here we see in the movie, the human effort to deal with the spirit failed. Yeah. And it's not working that great. I mean, no, it, it didn't it, work. It, it's by the skin of their teeth and uh, that they, they managed to kind of save I the situation. I just wish they could just meet, you know, have someone say, here's what y'all need to do in the name of Jesus, go back to hell. You know? But then we wouldn't have a movie. <laughs> I know, then we wouldn't have a movie. Yeah, it's the Exorcist movie would be a lot less interesting if... They actually ministered correctly, but okay. So you brought it up. I was not going to bring it up. So do you think that like that movie has any truth in it? Uh, twenty five percent truth, fifty percent. You know, I, what, what? I don't know, maybe seventy five percent. We we should watch it sometime. That movie presents itself as a psychological situation until the very end when it goes full in supernatural. Yeah, you know, I, it, it is so skillful. That movie is brilliant. I, I I am so holding you to that offer. We do need to watch that movie, and we will have you back on for another episode of Commentary is to watch that movie. Yeah. I'll tell you a hilarious story when I was trying to watch that movie by myself once, too, when I when we do. But <laughs> anyway. I, I would definitely uh, watch that one. And, uh, the other one I would love to... This, this is a problem. I've got too many movies to watch with you, because the other one would be The Right with Anthony Hopkins. I have never seen that, so yeah. Uh, very interesting. I, I do recommend it. Uh, also supposed to be based on on true events. And so uh, it has some, I'm trying, I can't remember how it converges with the priest from the exorcist, but there is some oh. convergence there. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to go back and look that up. But I do, I do think that there's something, again, we're back at this last part, we bring back this feminine archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do find this very interesting that she is the deceiver uh mm-hmm. the so often inscription in sorry in scripture women are the deceivers and hmm. that's not always the bad thing uh Tamar and Judah uh Sisera and Jael yep. uh there there is this element of deception and so but in this case well, I'm, yeah yeah okay yeah and so I, that this is actually something we're going to discuss uh, when we get to the end of Judges. Um, Nathan and I have decided that we need to talk about women and the deception in the Bible because first we are deceived and then women become the deceivers. And she she very much in this movie, I forget her name, uh, she she is a deceiver. 
This is a creepy scene right here, though. Yeah. This is it, Genesis six, man, right here. This is, this is, this is alluding to Janet, you know, the, the spirits and the women doing their thing. You, you know, know it, I'm surprised the, I didn't pick up on this. Cause that's like the, the, <laughs> the spirits, by the way, the women who were deceived, not, they weren't, I mean, like you said, some of it was God ordained. I mean, in Egypt, you know, mm-hmm. when they, when, when they wanted to abort the, the babies and, and the, the women are like, Oh no, yeah, no, it's too late. Anyway. No, I mean, but th- that's, uh, and sometimes it is because that's the only avenue open to women. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and particularly in a patriarchal society. So, you know, here he's helping her pick out the weapon, right? Just like mm-hmm. in Genesis 6, whenever, um, at least Second, Second Temple Jews believe that the, the watchers um, help give them how to make swords and other weapons. So there you had the spirit equipping her with that. Now, for people who are not familiar with this, uh, this is specifically what you're referring to as the Book of Enoch, yep. or the the Book of Watchers, because it's, it's part of Enoch, like the first yeah. few chapters. Of yes, and, and I think you know overall, I think most scholars kind of tend to look at the first few chapters as being um, pretty old. Yes, yes, pretty that's, old. Yeah. yeah, older than the rest of the book. Yeah, so it's not scripture, it's but it's it was like a bestseller in the first right. century. Okay, well, I mean, everyone, it's like Star Wars to us. You know, even if you haven't seen it, you, you knew the imagery. You, right. You, every, everyone knew about it. They were all talking about it. It was in their heads. Um, they, it's how they processed. And we definitely the, uh, have, we've got some quotes in Jude from the Book of Enoch. We have yeah. some quotes in Peter from the Book of Enoch. Paul makes some allusions. There's possibilities that Jesus himself made some allusions. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had it, pers- it was just in their heads. It, yeah. You know. It's how well, they thought about the event. That's why I keep going to it because they were sort of st- struggling with again. Why is why if the, if God is good, why is there evil? Well, maybe maybe this is what it is, and you know, in that that book, at least the first part of that book, that, because the, what we know is one Enoch is like six different books. So right. the Book of the Watchers is the very first part, and mm-hmm. it was very it resonated. It it really spoke to people. Is it holy writ? Oh, didn't matter. It was in their heads. Well, <laughs> and here here's my thing on it. Um, Pardon me. Uh, one of the things that... Wow, I can't even talk now. So uh, one of the things for to be included in the Hebrew canon was that a book had to be written to all generations. And the second verse, the second verse of that book says it was not written for all generations, but for a future generation. So right hmm. there, it excludes itself from being in the canon. And so because it was not in the canon, it didn't have the same protection as the rest of the Bible, and uh, if it was originally divinely inspired, I, I think it, it was to a certain degree. Uh, a prophet, uh, I'm sorry, professor of mine, uh, Dr. Brad Young, uh, said it's kind of like my utmost for his highest. Oh yeah, you, you know yep. we 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 wouldn't say that that devotional book was on the same level as Bible, but we would still read it. At, yeah, we would still read yeah. it at the same time. So uh, I think. For me, I, I think there's elements of truth within it yeah. that uh, we need to pay attention to. But at the same time, I'm not going to say 100%, oh, this is scripture. I mean, it, obviously it's not. Right. I mean, there were debates in the first or second century. Should it be considered scripture? Right. And, and the, the majority of Christians, uh, Christian scholars at that time said no. And one of the leading proponents of Enoch being in scripture he eventually wrote a letter to, saying, you know, I, I think it's supposed to be, but if I'm right, 
the Holy Spirit would have told other people, and right. he didn't. So I must be wrong. Yeah. And, and which so, is, exactly. which is so what a great humbling response, you know? And, and uh, right, because uh, my grandpa was a Southern Baptist preacher. He never would have done that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we as Christians need to be willing to learn from these Second Temple sources, uh, the Book of Enoch, um, Jubilees, uh, but recognize that they don't always agree with Scripture. Sometimes they blatantly contradict Scripture, mm-hmm. and so therefore we we have to put Scripture above them. Uh, but they, they're very useful, uh, particularly uh, when we're looking at the use of language and phrases and idioms. The, these books help us understand, and they give us a greater under, uh, understanding of the language so that we can appreciate what the writers of the New Testament in particular are saying. But yeah, I, I, I kind of encourage people, if you're going to read it, read it with kid gloves. Uh, yeah. Know your Bible better before you start delving into Enoch. Uh, know your Bible better before you start going into Second Temple Lit. And, um, mo- most yeah, read your Bible first. Right. And, and, and then, you know, but a lot of commentaries are going to reference some of this other stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and so that's... This scene, she's starting to look younger. I don't know if you just notice. No, I like had not she, picked up on that. She, this is, she's starting to look younger. She's way more active than she, she was earlier. And... Um, this is just a creepy scene where she is definitely involved. <laughs> she she definitely was a murderer, you know. And he, this poor guy keep having these visions. Um, you know, the seers in the Bible had visions too. That's why they wrote, you know, like the Book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of the prophets wrote their visions, right? Visions are a perfectly legitimate way for God to communicate. And I mean, we know that. That a visual experience is far more effective at, at conveying information than even a written word, because some we, people would say that the most uh, most visual book of the Bible is the most horrific book of the Bible is the Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a visual book. My goodness, I don't think you can read that book. I mean, even if what you're seeing in your mind isn't completely correct, right? I I don't think you can read it without seeing something. So he's a misogynist, isn't he, in this movie? I just picked up on it. You probably picked up on it first time. <laughs> he's like, you're all the same. That's why whenever she screamed earlier, he started, he threw up. He couldn't handle that emotion for some reason. Uh, yeah. Which is really strange to me. And, you know, I guess you could say the law is misogynist in some ways. Oh, no, in a lot of ways. Well, you know, actually, okay, so I'm probably one of the few women that you'll ever hear say this. Uh, if you compare it to what was going on in the time, Sure. It's like amazingly sure. progressive, and it actually lays the ba- groundwork for um, what I think we've taken too far in a lot of modern feminism. But uh, it's only in Judeo-Christian cultures that you find women having liberties that we have, even today. And, and so, I, so, yes, there are some points in the law um, that seem kind of oppressive, but when you actually sit down and, and look at some the, the nuances— here, so we have, here, here we have a man who's being sexual with a 14-year-old. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, go back to... So, what you're saying, how the law was progressive, it was actually... What, I, what Paul said, it was supposed to protect mm-hmm. Israel from mm-hmm. the... Tra- one of the things, from the transgressions of these watchers, from sexual sin. Right. From... So, it protected these women 
And, you know, it was a product of his era. So people today want to get mad at certain laws. Well, you don't understand the culture. Right. You know, you have to get into the culture. Well, and and that's the thing. If we try to read it devoid of the culture, then we have a meaningless document. Yeah. And we cannot try to just simply transplant it into our day and age and say this makes sense. Uh, Number one, we don't have all the background and how these laws were applied. We just, we just don't. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. The, it was so long ago. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. so long ago. <laughs> well, it's like uh, a lot of, I know feminists today get very upset with the idea that a woman would be forced to marry her rapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, notice, well, that's not what it meant. Right. Well, yeah. I notice, mean, notice the, the, what they're saying there that a woman would be forced to marry her rapist. Uh, no, he was supposed to marry her. She had the right of refusal. And so women always had the right of refusal based on the Isaac and Rebecca story. And then there's a whole lot of other caveats that go into play. And it's actually a far more devastating punishment to the rapist while supporting the victim throughout her life. If it it was rape, wasn't wasn't that a capital crime? So there's the holy ground. There's there's some some debate on, on exactly how that played out. Uh, if it was definitely in the city and she cried out, then 100% a capital crime. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we start going outside of the city where possibly she may have cried out or she may not have cried out. Oh, yeah. Then the, the, then the assumption is it was premarital something going on. Right. There, there yeah. It could be either or. But the, Why are you the, going out in the city to, to meet a man? You know? Yeah. So, and now you're saying he raped you? Come on. So uh, I, yeah. I, I, get, I, get what, I get what's going on there. Yeah, and, and but the point is that she didn't have to marry him. She was the woman herself did not have to to do that. He was required to, not her, and she could refuse him. And then at which point he had other consequences to face. And I think that's just it's just beautiful. That's really revolutionary. Oh, yeah. it is. I mean, because well, I mean the the whole Hebrew take on, I mean, humans being divine imagers, um, you know, in the image of God is so revolutionary. Oh, it, it, it's it's amazing, and because I, I mean, today you lock him up in prison. The, what does yeah. that do for the victim? The Hebrew law actually made provision for the victim to be taken yeah. care of, yeah. and so I, I love that. Here's the law uh, trying to kill the human, and this scene, by the way, in the TV version, he gets shot in the chest. But when when they realized it was going to be an R-rated movie, they went ahead and just went all out. Gotcha. Right here. Now, um. I heard there's like a five-hour <laughs> version of this somewhere. Now, I did think it was interesting that Michael J. Fox was carrying around the statue of Mary. Yeah, that was interesting. So there's a, there's a documentary about how they made it because there's so many effects shots uh-huh. in it. Almost every scene has an effect shot. But there's an extended version. I've not seen it. I've heard it goes into more of Dammers, why he's so messed up. There's a picture of a Catholic picture of Jesus in the background right there. That, yeah. With the it, heart. It, it, there, there's some definite, I mean, some very amazing iconography that's going on here. Of course, they're outside the chapel, so that was the goal. And so... Well, and I, now I have to ask you this. Do you think there are some spaces that are more sacred than others? Oh, yeah. Yep. There are, I don't know why, but there are sacred spaces around the world um, for good or for evil. <laughs> you know? Gotcha. And I and it could be bloodshed in certain areas have tainted you know have tainted the space and as kingdom enforcers we can we can help reclaim that but um it, it it's just it's more than a prayer you know 
Do do you think that people need to know like the origin story that I think it's helpful. Yeah. I I tell a story in my book about, about how someone came to me here. We have some uh, spirit, um, human sexual activity again. Um, I, a a situation where they couldn't figure out why there were ghostly apparitions and why everyone in the area wasn't vested with occultism and why everybody who lived on the property got involved in adultery for the last hundred years. Oh, Um, wow. And so what we figured out, what they figured out is that land had been stolen from Native Americans by the U.S., um, you know, 200 years ago and 150 years ago. And it was part of the Trail of Tears and there had been massacres and all sorts of horrible things on that property. And so that land was tainted. Um, so, and I had some recommendations about how to untaint it. But knowing that gives you gives you power of how to undo the evil. So with, with the... With the uh the uh would you have more information about that in your book on your blog yeah site? I, I mentioned it on the i i discuss it both on the website and on on the book because it's I, about I, reclaiming the land for the kingdom it's it's because okay because i'm cherokee and irish so you know we, we've gone through the whole the, the trail of tears and all of that that's part of my yeah. my heritage so i i know that we'll have people uh particularly you know we're in oklahoma so mm-hmm. yeah we're that it's going to bring up some some information. So I, I'm not sure we're exactly synced up. What, what, where are you at in the movie? Um, she's has a pickaxe. Okay, yeah, okay. He's he's telling her again. This is a watcher thing, right? He's telling right. her, no, not that. Use this. Okay, here we go. And uh, so she's killed him. And yeah, and we are ascending to heaven. Or someplace. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wherever this might be. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because it's almost, it's the reverse of what we have in the verse of Peter. Yes. What? Yeah. Well, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's beautiful. I mean, it's pretty neat. The imagery is. Right. And, and here, here's where my mind goes is. How many people watching this even pick up on these things? Because uh, well, I didn't the first time, first couple of times. And my daughter just breezed through once, said, "Oh yeah," she just dropped a bomb on me. Like, how do you? You haven't even watched the whole movie. How do you know this? Well, she has spiritual eyes. <laughs> you know, she just gets to the heart of the matters. Well, and uh, and hell springs forth with its gaping maw to yeah. to devour them whole, and it's. Really disturbing imagery. It, it is. And it, it's, you know, and then you go back to the question, how much of this is biblical imagery and how much of it is, uh, you know, Renaissance, medieval Europe imagery? Well, I'm glad they didn't have like a Satan figure do it. I, I like, we're supposed to be grossed out. If it was mm-hmm. a Satan figure, we'd be like, oh, whatever. Yeah, because I, I actually, when I saw this, I thought more of Dune than I did. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I can see that. Yep. Because <laughs> I always thought Dune was just kind of an icky movie. Uh, I, I've got a lot of friends who really, really love it. And, and I do appreciate the storyline, but overall, I always feel icky when I watch it. Oh, I don't the, have been able to point out exactly why. That's kind of funny. Yeah. It, that's, that's, well, I just listened to the book not too long, just a few months ago. Yeah. And then it's just, again, another marvelous piece of artwork. Um, not very redemptive, though. It's more of a Muslim redemption, that story oh, is. Oh, see, I hadn't picked up on that. I'll have to look yeah, at that it's now. It's more of a Muslim, uh, yeah, 
It's, yeah. that's the kind think of thing. Think Islam that, when you when you read that book. Okay, I'll have to think of that one in my background. Because, uh, and, and that's the thing, when you read any kind of literature, and this includes biblical literature, it, what you bring with you to the text is going to determine how you interpret the text. And, and speaking of Islam, you know how he mentions the honeys here, right? So, right. you know, in this version of hell, I guess you, you get women and that's, that's what paradise has for uh, Muslims who get killed in battle, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there, there's that, you know, I, I think every teenage boy <laughs> hopes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can remember, you know, part of the purity movement uh, in youth group, because I was very much at the heart of the true love waits movement in the, our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was, oh my gosh, what happens if I die before I get to have sex? <laughs> Is it yes, something that's not exactly. going to ever well, happen you know, for me? <laughs> I know, yeah. So, uh, you know, not realizing that they're, you know, when you're a teenager, what could be more important? Uh, there's God and sex, and the, they kind of run neck and neck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. But it, it, but he is resurrected, and yes, he is. By no, it was a divine, and that was a divine order, right? The, the people upstairs. What did what did he say? That higher ups. Yes. That that was a divine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now he he's tearing down the house here, and I I just watched this one time at, through yesterday. Like, and I I had my granddaughter with me, and she's six months old, so I was trying to watch and be attentive, but having a hard time. Why are they tearing down the house? Well, that that was a don't think that was a temple to the old life, the old covenant. Okay, okay. The, you know, a temple to the covenant to his first wife, right? Now, presumably, he's going to build a new life here. Okay, okay. I think I think I can see that 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 you know, he's probably right, going to become an architect again. I I didn't yeah because th- that was the thing when I was watching this I'm like there's something more going on here and I even ran it back a couple times and rewatched this and I'm like mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm just sleep deprived maybe I have a six month old <laughs> who's trying to sling oatmeal everywhere uh, yeah <laughs> but, so and here's the allusion to the uh, Ouija boards too yes yes so the occultism is how he got there but yeah no I think it I think it's a it's a metaphor for his life and his you know I, I actually I liked that what I just said about it was the, sort of the temple to the old covenant to his first wife and right no it makes total sense uh, absolutely because and you know and I do think that sometimes we we aren't willing to turn loose of old things yeah to, tear it down yeah and, and sometimes that's exactly what we need to be willing to do. And, you know, whether that's a traditional view uh, of what spirituality looks like or what we were taught in a previous uh, church or you know, even what we thought the Bible meant and, and being willing to, to tear down what we thought we knew in order to, to embrace what is true. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you wouldn't think that a movie like this could teach us something like that. You wouldn't think a movie like this would have a you know a, a gospel in it like like a metaphor if you will i mean i but I it's just, so I, on the nose it, it is i didn't see it the first time i don't think i saw it the second time but it's there uh, yeah the 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 dying and the resurrection uh and the it, it's all there including the encounter in hell uh mm-hmm. I, it's it's just yeah uh, 
And I really do. I I, I thought it was interesting because I had never seen this until yesterday. Uh, and you brought it up uh, and suggested it. And you'd suggested a couple other movies before this one. And it was like, yeah, those will work. Those will be okay. But then when you suggested this one, mm-hmm. it was like, that's it. I, I, I knew this was the one. And, and I kind of felt like from some of your messages that you felt like this was the one. Yeah. And so I, I haven't I, seen this movie in probably 15 years. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's... the fact that it came, um, yeah, came yeah. to mind ever so um, coincidentally. <laughs> As it's called. <laughs> yeah, I I don't believe that. And I, I do love that's the a Lord course. of the Rings. That's a Lord of the Rings reference. You know, they say, well, coincidentally, as it's called. <laughs> <You know? laughs> see, I, I've slept since the last time I watched Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, well, I don't know about the movie, but the book anyway, they, they that happens a couple of times when they're like, yeah, there's something going on here. So it's not really coincidence. You know, but. Well, see, now I, I was actually raised in like a very, um, we weren't a part of the Bill Gothard movement, but my mother wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole long story. So like Lord of the Rings, even the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Smurfs. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, any, my word. Gargamel. Yes. Anything uh, that was not found in a Baptist hymnal uh, was not allowed in our home. Unless you and yeah. George Strait, but George Strait was told told different story. He, he fell under a special dispensation of grace. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, oh, that's funny. So I, I miss you know I missed out on a lot of of, of that side of pop culture, um, I- including you know Tolkien and all of his wonderful works. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm actually having to catch up on some of that stuff as I've gotten older, uh, which is kind of weird because I I do have a granddaughter. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there there's I I do think even in this, I mean, obviously Peter Jackson goes on and, and does the Lord of the Ring and the Hobbit, which I still haven't seen both of those. Don't mm-hmm. you know? Don't get on to me. But um, you know, he he seems to be drawn to the spiritual realm and the spiritual side of things, and um, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, maybe I'll have to have you back to have that conversation because there's there's a lot of stuff talking about how he missed the point. Particularly on The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did in The Hobbit. Um, he was trying to tell a different story. And he tells a different story in the Lord of the Rings films than, than is told in the book. Gotcha. Um, but it's the spiritual warfare in the book is brilliant. I mean, you just have to read that and understand. You are The first half of the first book, you are reading a ton of spiritual warfare. And he and Tolkien does it. He shows it. He doesn't tell it. Gotcha. You have to read it carefully. And so Jackson, you know, it's it's a movie. How do you show? How do you show spiritual warfare? Well, you show a couple of spirits with swords, and they, you know, they try to right. I mean, what are you, what else are you gonna do? But that's not how. It, I mean, that's not how he describes it in the movie in the book. Well, and that's one of the things I think I found is trying to express these things to. To people who haven't had these experiences, that's how it comes across. It right. is it, right. it, it's so two dimensional. When I really hope that it would be uh, more uh, more significant, but um, you know, I, mean, I even know if you that... don't read read the rest of it, if you read the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring, it it is all about spiritual warfare. I mean, there's a scene where. 
and they they in the extended version of the movie they they show him singing a song uh, Aragorn mm-hmm. and in the mo- in the movie in the book he's singing a song as an act of spiritual warfare and as soon as that song's over the spirits attack oh wow and it's, see I did not realize that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's and so, we we actually, I don't know how you show that on TV you can't it's you know well and that's the thing because we we actually just discussed that on one of the Faith and Other Oddities episodes that we recorded how music is an act of spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and how closely united they are within scripture. So, and that's you why know, you want to have seers as your worship leader, like King David did. <laughs> hey, how about that for bringing it back to? <laughs> well, and this is what I find when you, when you have people who either like you study this side of things or people like me who've had the, the experience along with the study. It is we we find these threads that overlap and, and they weave together and there, there's this crazy kind of tapestry that to the outsider looks very chaotic, but we we kind of find the pattern within it, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's the beauty and I think that's why we can watch movies like this and say, I can find the gospel, I can see Jesus in it, I, I can see redemption in it, I can find hope in it. Uh, is it mm-hmm. a movie that? You know, do I want to have a steady diet of movies like this? Probably not. Right. But I can also see the questions that the world is asking of our faith and of God. And yep. how do we respond as Christians? And, you know, people the, want to the, know. They want to have hope because, you know, like in this film, the, the, what are you going to do? And yeah. most people are living, most people, you know, in the West, uh, the, a lot of people are. The culture tried to numb people to this the reality of the spirit realm, and that's mm-hmm. you know, with materialism. But more and more, people are turning to like crystals and mm-hmm. and Ouija boards and you know all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, shoot, a presidential candidate is all about the new age. So it, it's it is in our culture. It is in our lives. I I know that uh, some of the latest polls I've seen is talking about the rise of. Uh, paganism, New Age, Wicca, witchcraft, wh- whatever you want to call it, and, and it's on the rise exponentially yeah, from exponentially, what it was in yep. the seventies and eighties. And and this tells you that when we started divorcing spirituality from the faith in God, and when we started trying to act like God wasn't interested in spiritual events, we started. You know, basically, we shot ourselves in the foot. Yep. Well, the the good news about the whole culture, uh, you know, the states going pagan, is that's how the that's where the gospel started in the pagan Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and, good. And what they had was Jesus is the fulfillment of the pro- of the promises of Israel. In the Book yes. of Acts, if you read the gospel, the gospel accounts, the gospel is given mm-hmm. over a dozen times in the Book of Acts, and every time it's Jesus is the fulfillment of of Israel, God's promises to Israel, mm-hmm. or it's Jesus is claiming the nations back for himself. And those are all told in the Old Testament. Right. I've heard somewhere people, someone said that the Old Testament wasn't important to Christianity. Baloney. We need to tell <laughs> the story of the Old Testament that is the hope of the nations. And Keep it, singing it, my song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Doug, I, I have enjoyed this so much. We've got so much more to talk about. Uh, we definitely want to have you back, uh, you know, whether we do The Exorcist or some other movie, I w- I'm going to hold you to that. And, <laughs> okay. um, you know, and I, we want to have you on Faith and Other Oddities, because I think that would be, uh, w- I'd love to just talk theology without having to worry about a movie. Sure. Um, I, I think this would be great. 
tell us in the meantime, for, for people who are enjoying this as much as I did, uh, where can we find your work? Uh, where can they connect with you? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, what, wherever it is you are, just give us where to find you. My website is searsc.com. That's searsc.com, just like it sounds. Um, I'm on Facebook. I, I have a seer group on a social media platform called MeWe. Me, we, right? M-E-W-E. You can find us on there. It, it's more private than Facebook, and so people feel more comfortable. Um, awesome. MeWe doesn't, doesn't like record every conversation you have and then sell it to advertisers or the government or whoever. <laughs> and and I've had seers and parents of seers who are very concerned about their privacy. Right. Um, so that that's it's not a very active group, but it's you can get me there. Uh, but through the website, uh, feel free. You can follow me on Twitter, Doug Overmeyer. Um, but uh, through the website, contact contact us page. You know, emails me, and then I'll, I'll email you back. I'm not always great about emailing right away. I have a full time job and a family, which is like two jobs. But I do reply to all the emails, and sometimes I set up phone appointments to help counsel people who are struggling with what they see. And uh, then I have a book out called Peace in Your House. I'm working on another book specifically for people who, lo- who, who know seers and who love them, who pastor them, who parent them, and people who see spirits. And it'd be kind of a, kind of a, a briefer version of it more organized than the website, because the website's a blog, right? But, but just a quick quick version of how to process what, what it is they're seeing and what to use, what to do with their, with their, uh, what, what it is they're seeing, what to do with that knowledge. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, we do appreciate you taking time to be here with us tonight. And like I said, I, this is my, your website's my go-to uh, place to refer people to, because I, I feel like I can trust what you're putting out there. I feel like it's balanced. I feel like you validate experience without relying on experience to be a normative for everyone. And you really point people back to scripture uh, to understand how to interpret these events. So I, I do encourage people, if you, uh, you know, like Doug said, if you, if you love someone or you are someone who sees into the spiritual realm, do some research. This is not something that is outside the scope of Christianity. It's not something that is foreign to our faith. It is very much front and center within scripture itself, and we do need to address it. And so, uh, Doug, we appreciate people like you who are willing to spend this time, uh, you know, because I know it's not easy to, to dig down into this, and the sources are just not readily available. And so when you pull these out and you, you write thoughtfully about it, uh, it's very meaningful for those who, who are struggling with this because this is a gift people struggle with. And yep. so I, I, I appreciate that. And I know there's so many others who do too. So uh, we do expect you to come back. So <laughs> Thank you. <know. laughs> you. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It's an honor to be here too. So looking forward to the next time. Awesome. So if you enjoyed this uh, episode of The Commentarians, be sure and uh, find more at Raven Creek Social Club or at ravencreeksc.com. You can find us at Facebook forward slash The Commentarians, at twitter.com forward slash The Comments Pod, at Instagram forward slash The Commentarians Pod, and of course, ravencreeksc.com. You can find not only The Commentarians, you can find Faith and Other Oddities and Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. So we look forward to seeing you there. Bye. You've been listening to The Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives, of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.